Hi, this is Pam and this is Must Love Food. Well, Happy New Year, folks. We are excited to do a little round robin with the staff today and walk through our latest issue, which hopefully is hot in your hands and you're enjoying it as much as we are. So welcome everybody and um, you all here with me. We're virtually recording this. Yeah, this is the issue that has our homemade bagels on the cover. I've got John, and I've got Maddie, I've got Teresa and Robin, and I'm Pam. Welcome you all, and uh, hi. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Um, we'll just kind of flip through the pages and give everybody a sense of what we've got in this issue. And uh, as always, we've got tips, but I did want to call one out I was looking at, and I think this is a really cool tip, actually. I love the final tip. Uh, we've... we've uh, called it Rise Up, where if a yeasted dough recipe calls for proofing in a warm location, it's Carolyn Penley from Oklahoma City has sent in this tip. She said it can be challenging in the winter in her cool house, but her solution is a hot water bath. She fills a large bowl partway with hot water. She places her other bowl of dough carefully into the hot water just so they're not touching, you know, there's no water getting on the dough, and then top um, the dough with a towel or plastic wrap. And after about an hour, she adds a little bit more hot water to the bottom bowl. And she said it works like a charm. I just think that's such a great tip. The the best tips seem to be just obvious and you never think of them. I mean, sure. and that just seems so obvious, but it never even occurred to me to, you know, use that. Yeah. And it works really well. So I can... <laughs> with Carolyn on having it not a really warm place to, to let dough rise. So um, yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a good one. <laughs> and we know our readers love our tips um, or tips of all types. And I just thought that one got a special, uh, deserved a, an honorable mention. <laughs> and um, in the now we had some, a couple of really cute things, but the one thing I just wanted to call out there was the coffee cherry company. We had, tried to get that product in earlier in the year. And I think because of COVID last year, um, we had trouble getting it in. But I never guess I didn't really understand that coffee cherries, that's what they were called, like the the what you think it's the precursor of the bean. John, you can probably tell me more than I can. But anyway, you can make basically a drink or like a tea out of this. They're the seeds inside the red or purple fruit, often referred to as a cherry. They're collected. So then the skins of the seeds are collected after they've been removed from the cherries and the pulp skins are sun-dried packaged sort of like loose tea and provide fiber and antioxidants, which I thought was kind of cool. Plus more nutritional benefits. Um, you can brew it hot or cold or even add it to baked goods. Anyhow, thought that was an interesting little thing. Hadn't seen that before. And it tastes good. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to also on that um, in the now uh -huh. section to the um, the vegan Parmesan in quotation uh -huh. marks condiment. Um, I was skeptical, <laughs> uh -huh. uh, but we put some on popcorn and tried it and it was very good. Mm -hmm. So any vegans out there that are missing some Parmesan flavor and these come in this Parma company produces them in different flavors, but uh it was very good, and I, I would uh, I would partake, actually, myself. I concur. I'm with you, Teresa. I was skeptical, too, um, even though I'm trying to eat a little bit more um, in the vegan vein or definitely healthier, vegetarian, more nutritious. And uh, so I was definitely interested in that. So, yeah, I also like, um, not to draw away from this, but I do like nutritional yeast. Um, that on popcorn is another good thing, too. It's loaded with, um, I think, B12. Great. I'll have to try that. Yep. Um, okay. So moving into our, our articles here, we've got, I think a lot of people um, have a hard time, even though, you you know, you oranges, you see them in the, the grocery store in the, the winter, same with grapefruit. But I think people always think of fruit as like a summer thing. But Citrus fruit is seasonal in the winter. And so this year we did a um, spotlight on um, grapefruit. And Robin, you developed these recipes. Anything you want to tell us? You know, I grew up in grapefruit. You just put some sugar on it and ate it. And so it was kind of fun to think outside that little um, cliche and, you know, what all you can do with grapefruit. And it is versatile. Now, I know there are people that can't eat it because, you know, it reacts with some medicines. But, I, boy, I had fun with this one. I really did. And, you know, how can I 
how can I um, capitalize on the grapefruit? So it was a fun article to put together. Um, you know, the first one there, I, I made a sauce with it and paired it with fish. And um, I enjoyed it. I really did. It was fun. Let's talk about the grapefruit for a minute, you know, because a lot of it comes from Texas and, you know, that's always fun. Um, but let's talk about buying the grapefruit. Um, you know, when you're buying citrus, especially go for the heavier fruit. And and I think oh. that's the thing. And I know that we've, we've, we've pointed that out there because, you know, it's a lot juicier and um, it's not dried out. So whether it's um, grapefruit or, or oranges or lemons or limes, pick them up in the store and, and heft them around a little bit, you know, lift them in your hand. And if it's a heavier one, that's the one you want to pick up because it's got a lot of juice in there. Okay. I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm curious. I always tend to gravitate towards ones that are heavier, but have a thinner skin as opposed to a thicker rind. I find that they tend to be juicier too. I kind of feel like that with limes, especially lemons. But I think we have, we have um, either answered a question in Q&A or, or said that in a lemon story. But when we were um doing a lemon story, I think it may have been the preserved lemon story. I think, um, I think that was, uh, the fact that we had found was the mm -hmm. thinner skin was preferable mm -hmm. to a thicker rind. Okay. For juiciness. For juiciness. Right. If you're doing, if you want the rind for grading or whatever other reason, fine, but yeah. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I did like this, um, cod and I really love the sauce. Yeah, um, it was delicious. It's a I'm great a sucker for butter sauce anyhow, but <laughs> but then you have the grapefruit to kind of cut through that butter too. So it was exactly, kind of that's what made it brilliant. I... <laughs> um, and then you've got a wrap and some sweetened. Um, I'm really okay. So the the chicken grapefruit avocado wrap was delicious. I mean, it's it's very flavorful, but I I would love you to just kind of touch upon the sweetened grapefruit with the brown sugar whip. Because that was a little unique. Well, it, it was different. And it was something that I had, had seen and it intrigued me. And so I kind of want to take on that one. Um, to make it sweet. To put grapefruit in dessert. Um, because that's not where I think it should be. <laughs> uh, but I guess it does make sense when you think about it. Because I like sugar on my grapefruit if I eat it in the morning. So why not put sugar on there and eat it as a dessert? And then, you know, with the, uh, for the whip part, the, you know, the well, cream. Well, didn't you have to broil, you broiled the, the grapefruit or something? You dried it out in the, in the oven. Is I, that what you did? I did. I baked it okay. for, I wanted to get a lot of the moisture out of there. Okay. And, you know, dehydrate it a bit. And concentrate the flavor a little bit. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, go that direction and, uh, concentrate that down, make a little syrup in there too. And then put it together with that uh, creme fraiche and brown sugar and uh, make a whip in between there. So there you go. Um, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's um, going all Mary Poppins, too. If, if you've got somebody who doesn't like grapefruit, I mean, my mother got me to eat tomatoes by putting sugar on it. And as you mentioned, you know, that's how we all grew up with sugar on the grapefruit. But this is a great introduction to get people that don't necessarily care for grapefruit to get that, them to enjoy it and open their minds to it. So uh, there you go, John. I like that Mary Poppins thing. Just a spoonful of sugar. Spoonful of sugar. <laughs> I've got that song in my head now, of course. Um, and now we're going to move into the world of cuisine tonight. And uh, John, you um, dusted off the um, instant pot, and I, we've gotten some feedback already. People are are intrigued by, um, especially the ramen. It seemed that that was on um, a lot of hit parades. You had nice range here. You had a um, a uh, veggie one, and you had a cassoulet. Um, mm -hmm. which to do in an Instapot is phenomenal since that's a, that's a, a big affair and then a very quick, the ramen bowl. So anyway, you, why don't you just kind of. Well, I do want to back up what you said. I, uh, read, I wrote another, uh, reader letter yesterday about the ramen bowls and, um, so people are making it. It's really been phenomenal yeah. to get that much feedback that we have gotten on that. 
Uh, oh, I know it was a question about using a cup of sliced Fresnos chilies and whether that was too much or whatnot. For and what recipe? Is that for the ramen? For the recipe? ramen bowl. Oh, okay. And I just explained that it, it wasn't as though they were a packed cup of <laughs> Fresnos. That was, um, you know, two or three Fresnos at most, and they were just sort of loosely cut and put in there. I'd also uh, seeded them so that, you know, they weren't necessarily hot. But what I was saying originally when we were at taste panel on this is that I've eaten, oh, I ate a couple of bowls, two or three bowls of this in development. And what I found was that um, it's the kind of heat that comes up to a certain point, spice heat that comes up to a certain point, but it doesn't continue to build. Somehow or another, it sort of neutralizes itself and you can continue eating it without, you know, having pain. Okay. <laughs> So that was that was really the uh, something that people don't need to shy away from. And well, again, I said it probably that? it probably does depend a little bit on the red curry, the brand of red curry paste you use. I know you did um, Thai kitchens, which is a little more, I think, neutral. If you're yeah, buying, yeah, yeah. If you are getting one from um, uh, you know an Asian market, those might tend to run a little hotter. So that's a good point might taste that first. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and I suggested if you're sensitive to heat, either yeah. seed it and or just use less. Right. Yeah. Or if you were none at all at that point. So. Right. And then the funny thing about uh, on the first article about the broccoli mac and cheese and I have that little box there about evaporated milk. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, you know, I'm such a nerd that, you know, I listen to um, old time radio, you know, old radio shows from the 40s and 50s, and they'll continue to have the ad spots in between there. And I can't remember which show it was, but it was sponsored by Borden's and their evaporated milk. And they talk about all the virtues of evaporated milk. And it was so funny because I didn't really realize that it, you know, it can even be whipped. It's just sort of a funny thing so I, I thought wow this is a great place to use it in this mac and cheese it'll give us some body without having to worry about it curdling and and whatnot so i did think that was an amazing tip right there um and inf good information to know i did as well yeah i, I that's where that came from and it, it's uh i can i want to keep using it to find out those other tips from the uh -huh. 40s what people <laughs> used to know that we don't sure. that we've forgotten sure. Talk to old home ec teachers. <laughs> You'll get a whole <laughs> bunch of them. <laughs> uh, anything else of note in the um, in the article you want to pull out? You mentioned. Uh, let me see. There's something. Oh, the chicken garlic sausages in the cassoulet. Mm -hmm. I don't know as you're always going to find those, but I think if you find, you know, even one of those chicken sausages that has. Uh, Gruyere in it or something like sure. that would work as well in this. I've seen chicken garlic sausages a lot, but sometimes there are other additives in there as well. But yeah, they, they I mean, I, I see them a lot at a lot of stores. I do think they're much more readily available now than they used to be. Oh, easily, yeah. And that goes back to uh, a future issue here where we're going to feature uh, Gilbert's chicken sausages coming up in, in oh, the now. Right, 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 right. And, um, that Gilbert's uh, I found was remarkable in that they're um, cooked in sous vide style, but they're also um, a great value because they don't shrink, they don't lose any of it. So you're getting everything that you want out of it. There's not, you don't have to worry about it, you know, grease blowing out of it or um, rendering out of the sausage. So that's something to look forward to. <laughs> um. Well, uh, I think, as we said, people are interested in that, and uh, um, I hope you guys enjoy. Let us know if you're tasting them and what you think. Um, and for Test Kitchen favorites, we're, uh, you know, this is the time of year a lot of people are thinking a little bit healthier, um, more nutritious. It's certainly, as we've said before, something we're really um, trying to delve into um, on a personal as well as a um, brand level. 
and so the we have snack snacky items um, for test kitchen favorites, but they um, because as Maddie mentioned um, when we were planning the issue that February is National Snack Month, so everybody wants a good something good to nosh on. But we wanted to take a little a little mindful approach, so a little nutritious approach to these. So um, Maddie and John um, came up with peanut butter oat bites, uh, sweet and salty Chex Mix, and crispy baked root vegetable chips. Well, the impetus on the uh, oat bites is just, you see all those energy bites now in grocery yep. stores and whatnot, and they're, they're really easy to make yourself. Uh, you know, why, why go out and purchase them when you can, you know, make them at home and have as all those regular pantry stuff, foodstuffs anyhow, so. Um, you did add something um, maybe not quite as nutritious, but it's okay, um, the bacon <laughs> bits. You did have oats in it, um, but the thing that I, um, you had uh, peanut butter um, powder. Oh, right, right. Well, it's actually the, the with cocoa. You did the cocoa one. Yeah, the, but yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, and if people don't know, um, it's uh, PB2 is the brand, right? That particular one, yeah. I've, I've okay. begun to see other brands now out on the market. Um, and if I'm reading the blurb here, I, I put it into um, some stuff. I have some in, in the cupboard. Um, but it's 90% less fat and 70% fewer calories than traditional peanut butter, four grams of plant-based protein, which is pretty good. But, I mean, the idea is there. it's meant to um, – be added to a smoothie, but I think you can also, and I could be wrong, I think you can mix it with water um, to use it, to turn it into like a paste, like a yeah. butter, isn't that right? I remember- It's butter, yeah. Yeah, I think it started, I mean, it's like kind of like astronaut food, but I think it was, the idea was, I think it was for campers originally, or, oh. or at least we had someone on staff who used to camp, Sarah, and I think she had introduced yeah. us to this years ago. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, and everybody loves a Chex Mix, don't they, Maddie? <laughs> That's right. So kind of the idea, too, with all these um, homemade snacks was also, like, you know, John said, like, to make them at home. You know what you're adding to it versus, you know, picking up a bag that might have some mm -hmm. extra preservatives or unnecessary um, ingredients. So right. you kind of control it. Yep. We just kind of wanted to show people that, you know, all these kind of snacks that you would see in the store, you know, can be simply made at home. So mm -hmm. I did the sweet and salty Chex mix, which, you know, as well, say you don't want to use Honey Nut Cheerios and you want to watch your sugar even more, you can use regular Cheerios. Um, both of these like have like some additives, like the pretzel sticks or mini chocolate chips. All, you know, it's kind of whatever you want to make and take with it. So it was good. It had kind of, you know, both the sweet and salty, which I like. Um, just kind of a nice, light, um, balanced kind of checks mix. So, well, you know what? Speaking of, um, you're talking about controlling the ingredients and um, and whatnot, um, and tipping our hand at another future issue um, potentially from the ground up. I think is the name of the brand, and they are plant-based pretzels. So, if you wanted to swap out a traditional pretzel you could use like a plant-based, um, like I said, I think it's from the ground up and they are primarily cassava based and um, they have um, a cauliflower line and a butternut squash line. I personally prefer the cauliflower line, but you could swap those in there too if you wanted. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, and then the other one we did was a crispy baked root vegetable chips. So I think everyone's seen them in the store. Uh, we just kind of wanted to show you a way to make them at home. And it does take mm -hmm. a little time. So you got to kind of be patient and keep checking on them uh, just to make sure, you know, because all the different vegetables kind of cook at different times to get that perfect crispness. So it's kind of like roasting nuts. You, you know, don't take yep. your eyes off them. <laughs> they just take a little longer than nuts, but they are good, as you said. And you control instead of going for the bag of, of um, uh, fried potato chips or something, you're baking these and um, it gives you that crispy element, but you're getting some healthy fiber and, and all that along with it. Totally. I think uh, Robin was the one who had fun uh, watching all those veggies roast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You find the hot spots in your oven too. Right? <laughs> yes. If, if nothing else, you could do it as just to test your oven out. 
and something tasty at the end. <laughs> yes, exactly. Scooby, Scooby snacks. Um, so I love, love this next article. It's um, going with the grain, and they were grain salads, and it's for two. And Robin, you did this. And the first one, I love, 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 love. The warm winter vegetable salad with halloumi. Um, you, it's not only, I mean, it tastes delicious, but it's beautiful as well. Um, and I'll let you talk about the ingredients, but I know you use three different grains and mm -hmm. uh, you've got three different salads. So I'll let you kind of. Right. So I started you know. with picking the grains, I guess, and went from there. But I got to tell you, this first one with the delicata squash, I love that squash. You know, you don't have to peel it mm -hmm. and it has just a nice flavor. It's not an overpowering flavor, but it's just a nice, sweet um, squash. And I really do like it. Now, if you can't find it, of course, you can use a different squash in there. It's not a problem at all. Um, but if you're lucky enough to find that one, boy, I'd sure give that one a try. And then it has, you know, halloumi. I love halloumi. And it's, it's called like, a, it's like a bread cheese. And when you, if you don't, if you're not familiar with it, um, try it. If you search that one out and give that one a try too. Um, it holds together when you, and you can cook with it and it, and it holds its shape. It doesn't melt. Um, you can even grill this cheese. So it is a, it's a fun cheese to, to use. It can um, have an interesting texture when you bite mm. into it, but uh, it is delicious. It is delicious. <laughs> yeah. So it's different. So I, I would, I would say if you haven't tried that one, you know, give it a try, put that one on your list to give a try. And so the grain in this first one here is farro. Um, I like it. It's a little bit chewy. Um, but not too bad. So I do like that one as well. Um, it's got some dried cranberries in there, some walnuts, um, and thyme uh, to give it a little bit more fresh. And uh, it's uh, it's good. Uh, there mm -hmm. you go. I didn't think yep. it was didn't think it was good. We wouldn't print it. <laughs> I just want to say that uh, this sent me on a month months long jag on delicata squash. I, I, Same here. <laughs> I just could not, after I had this, it was just like, oh, let's have some more of that. Let's get some of that in, you know. I know. And, it, you know, it's roasted in the oven. The the squash is, is and the uh, halloumi are both on the sheet pan and roasted in the oven. Um, so that's kind of fun. But, yeah, well, if you can get some delicata squash, oh, you've got a treat there. Uh-huh. In my view. Um, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> And then um, we've got some barley and roasted veg salad, and it's got a bacon vinaigrette. Uh, so <laughs> I do love bacon. <laughs> yeah, that bacon is probably the reason I couldn't be a, a vegetarian. Um, a lot of people, I don't know if you've ever heard that, but that is the, the, the like holdout for a lot of people. <laughs> Are some people there, and and I don't think there's a classification for it, but they're totally vegetarian on everything else except for bacon. And an occasional steak, but that's, you know, <laughs> just an occasional one. Um, anyway, this one has uh, Brussels sprouts in it, and it's got potatoes in there, and uh, and bacon, and it also has apple for some crisp. And I like the apple, too, a yeah, lot. It brings it up to some crisp and fresh. Um and baby kale mix. So, mm -hmm. so we've got a little bit of uh, fresh going on there too. And, and I think you said, well, you said the name barley was the grain. And yeah. we do give a little, we do give a little bit of info on each of the, the three grains too. Right. right. So that's kind of a nice little feature on there. And so going to the last one and our last grain there is quinoa. And quinoa is, I like it. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of a blank slate. Um, it's good for you. It's got... Mm -hmm. It's simple things that you need. That, mm -hmm. uh, it's what that's called, but it, it does have everything you need. The essential amino acids. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's got that. Um, and like I say, it's such a. Uh, it doesn't um, stand out and run the show, but boy, it, it's it's got a good little flavor to it. I mean, it doesn't have a lot of flavor. It absorbs flavor, is how I look sure, at it. Sure. Sure. Um, so I do like that one. And this one is kind of a Southwest flavoring. Mm -hmm. um, it's got sweet potatoes in there and red bell pepper, some jalapeno, um, some lime. So it's a little bit of Southwestern there and the Chipotle vinaigrette going on. So yeah. ties it all together. Yum. I think people are going to love these. Love, yeah. love, love. Yeah. <laughs> there you They're go. Very satisfying. For healthy, 
It looks like we've got, um, well, I um, put this one together. This was um, just a refresher on um, kind of healthy eating basics and looking at what, I mean, this is a time of year, as we said, that people, a lot of people kind of do a refresh or a reset on their eating habits. And, um, but there's, you know, there's a lot of information out there, what's best for you or not. And so we kind of turn to um, the USDA to see what they are recommending in terms of guidelines. Um, I will mention for the second or third year in a row, the Mediterranean diet just was the most popular in uh, the US. And the Mediterranean diet is not a diet per se, it's more of like an eating approach. We do have an article online um, and we do we have a lot of recipes I just I think people can really see um, that are Mediterranean based. So these are this is not recipe. This is just kind of trying to give you a, a broad sense of how much of this, how much of this should I eat? Um, what should I avoid? So, you know, six ounces of grains every day. Um, know your limits. Eat butter, white rice, white bread, pasta, potatoes, and sweets sparingly. Not that hard to kind of figure out. Um, eat two and a half cups of vegetables every day. Aim for three to five um, servings. Um, fruit, two cups every day. Um, variety is key. Dairy, three cups every day. Try to go for low-fat, non-fat, or a non-dairy. Uh, meat and beans, five and a half ounces every day. Again, going for the leaner types of meat um, and poultry, seafood, um, soy products. And this is, I, I think a lot of people probably know this, but a serving is about the size of a deck of cards. So you're trying to eat no more than two servings a day. I just had heard this recently, and I can certainly attest to it, that Americans eat way more protein than is required or needed. And then we also give you some a best source guide. So omega fatty acids and good fats and some of the best sources are wild salmon, tuna, scallops, shrimp, lamb, grass-fed beef, tofu, broccoli, olives, olive oil, oatmeal, walnuts, almonds, and flaxseed. Phytonutrients and antioxidants, best sources, blueberries, red grapes, broccoli, broccoli rabe, tomatoes, spinach, pomegranates, carrots, eggplant, red peppers, Brussels sprouts, and fiber and complex carbs, which are different than a simple carb. They're going to your body's going to have to work to break them down and, um, oats, beans, barley, nuts, carrots, oranges, apples, vegetables, leafy greens, brown rice, whole grains, lentils, and flax seeds. So, you know, that's just a guide to give you, uh, ideas on how to get the good for you nutrients that you need. And one of the things to kind of leave you with is start with small changes to make healthier choices that you can stick with and enjoy, um, balance and variety are the key. So, it's best not to, to make all changes at one time or dive in and not be able to kind of keep up with something, but start small. And hopefully this just gives you a sort of a, a reference. All right. So the next thing is our cover story. And we've already gotten some feedback um, from people, but it's bagels, um, boiled and baked. Um, and uh, so they're homemade bagels. And Haley, who has decided to go back to school and is not on our staff anymore, developed the recipe. Uh, Robin tested and um, styled this for photography. Teresa shot it and I wrote it um, and everybody ate everything. <laughs> so we were all involved. Um, Robin, do you want to kind of, since you, you really were the hands-on here, um, anything you want to share about anything here? They're easy. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you. That's good. Well, I Good always, place to start. <laughs> you know, I, I guess I've always been intimidated by them because I thought, oh, oh, gosh, you've got to do what to them? And and I don't know, you've got to, to boil them and bake them. And I just, you know, I thought, well, I'll put that on my list someday to do. Um, so I was really glad that this this it, it came and uh -huh. and then I had this beautiful recipe to work with and it was an it's, it's an easy recipe to follow. Truly, it is. Um, and we have step-by-steps, you know, they're the big steps that are laying it all out. So together, I think it's a, it's a good way to just jump in there and make homemade bagel, bagels. And they were pretty, it's pretty straightforward, quite frankly. 
Yeah, and we've got a variety of toppings. There was also the kind of the outlier was the cinnamon sugar bagels, which have to be applied a little differently than the other toppings, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's, uh -huh. but, it's, but it's easy. Yeah, it, it really is just putting it on, so it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. And then we also give some pairing ideas for the different toppers, maybe things that, you know, you've got your favorites, but if you haven't, if you want some ideas, we gave some ideas on what to smear on your bagel, if, if you will. And there's also a couple, there are two different ways to shape the bagels. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of personal preference. I think we all... Which one did you prefer? I know which one I prefer. Well, I preferred the rolling the dough and then um, poking a hole in the middle and stretching. Me too. That was easier. Was that your favorite way too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. my favorite. Teresa and I were, we were making some in the, in the studio and I think we, would you agree with me, Teresa, that that yeah, was your? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think that um, Haley actually, when she was developing the recipe, her favorite method was the, the rolling and then the pinching. But, I was going to say that. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I found that, you know, for me, a uh, uh, novice, mm -hmm. I think that um, that poking method was was so much easier, and then makes the bagel um, more more symmetrical. I guess. Mm. Yeah. But I want to I want to second Robin's comment about how easy they are, and how intimidating they look, because mm -hmm. I would have. Had I not been around for all the making of these bagels, I would never have attempted these. I just think, oh, this is way too hard. Mm -hmm. But I, I am putting this on my list of things to try because these were easy to make. And I have to tell you, I am not from New York, so I cannot speak to New York bagels. But these are some of the best bagels I've ever had, and I, I love bagels. So these were these were just the texture of them were just beautiful. So I love these bagels and I am definitely going to try my hand at them, especially the Asiago. That is my favorite. <laughs> well, and I think, uh, I don't remember the exact day, but if memory serves me, I think that, I don't know if it's bagel day or bagel and cream cheese or some, there's a bagel day, I think in February, it could be in January, but it is around this time of the year. And that's one of the reasons why we did feature this in this issue. Plus the fact it's, it's been on our list of wants. And like I said, we've gotten some good feedback already. So we were excited to do it. And every time these were made in the test kitchen and made for photography, there was none left. Yes. After well, we were finished. And if, Everybody if took all, some home. If there are, they freeze. Yes. <laughs> they freeze beautifully. Right. All right. So moving on, we have a feature on chocolate and really just giving you kind of the ins and outs or kind of a little primer on um, chocolate. Valentine's Day is coming up. And so for your sweet... Um, if you want to know what um, what chocolate is all about, how it's made, and then sort of the differences between the different types of cocoa powder, regular Dutch processed cocoa powder, black cocoa powder, which um, is what is used in Oreos, and also what was used in the recipe that follows here. And then we also get give a little description on um, the differences between unsweetened chocolate, bittersweet, semi-sweet, milk, white, and chips. And um, we show you a couple of different melting methods on chocolate, a double boiler method and a microwave method. A lot of people don't want to bother with a double boiler. Um, you have to just be very cautious if you are doing the microwave method that you want to go slow um, and um, you know, keep checking it, keep stirring it because you, you really want to catch it before it's all melted because <laughs> otherwise it's too far. Yeah, the double boiler, you know, you're you're taking out more pans and it does take a little bit more time. I have had people write in when I've used double boiler on things and they're like, I just throw it right in a pan on top of the stove. You have to be very, you really have to be on top of that if you want to do that. But anyway, these are the two methods we recommend. And then again, Haley developed these Oreo cupcakes. They were the bomb. They were so good. So there's like an, a cream filling a la um, Oreos and frosting on top has crushed up Oreos in it. And um, the cupcakes themselves have a mix of black cocoa powder and unsweetened cocoa powder. But they were delicious. They really were. And just as cute as can be. 
Um, where did she source that uh, black cocoa powder? I believe King Arthur flour. Am I right on that? Anybody know? I believe that's correct. Yep. You can even find it on Amazon as I well. Would, thank you. I was just going to say that. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that too. And then, John, this was a con contact that you found. Um, and, uh, you know, we always feature a cookbook um, or at least one cookbook in our um, issues. And this one was also satisfied some reader requests that we had had that people wanted very fast meals and meals that they could really eat from the freezer almost that required, you know, using freezer goods or, and it required very little. So you want to just tell us about the book and then about the recipes a little bit, John? Well, the um, book emphasizes a couple of things. One is that frozen foods generally are packed within a couple of hours of being um, plucked or picked or processed and the fact of the matter is, is that they're at peak when they are uh, harvested. And so they're actually at the peak of their nutrition and flash freezing them holds that nutrition in place. Whereas you can get uh, fresh food, you might find uh, English peas, but it might've been a month since they were picked and the nutrition goes way down in that interim there due to oxidization. This takes advantage of that. And I was surprised when shopping to test these recipes, just the huge variety of frozen foods are out there. I don't I don't check that section very often and look through the, the supermarkets at what foods are out there. And so they were very specific and I thought, oh, I'll never find these, but no, they were right there in the, in the big uh, big box stores mostly though. Kind of thing, um, what kind of things you're talking about, John? Well, she has, um, I remember the, like frozen garlic. I mean, that's I, that's what I was going to get at. Yeah. yeah, was the frozen garlic and the pizza crust. I think those are more and more often you can find those. Uh huh. But Carol Jones, you know, a fellow Minnesotan, you know, knows how to deal with freezing temperatures. So one of the keys to it, and I love this, is to cook everything on high. Okay. Because it's frozen, it's going straight from the freezer into your pots and pans. Uh, the idea is to get them, boy, get that frost off there right away and get them cooked. And that's really the genuine um, key to this cooking from frozen. All right. Was there any recipe um, or a recipe? So just if, at least just tell us the name of the, the recipes so we kind of have an idea uh, what it is and if there's a, maybe a yeah, call. Or uh, we have a steak fajita burrito bowl mm -hmm. with pico de gallo. Mm -hmm. and, oh, and that uses frozen fully cooked seasoned steak strips saw that but uh, we might know them as steakums in the real oh. world so. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to give them kind of a generic uh, name like that a uh -huh. couple of things that are unusual for us at least are to use that uh, uses salted butter so they're again very approachable recipes that uh, most people can find and you had garlic <laughs> butter cauliflower pizza is that where would they use the butter is that what you were talking about that one okay frozen yeah. crushed garlic is there uh -huh. now, you, you, those are kind of located up on the top shelf where you know, smaller items are in the freezers uh-huh and then uh we had the creamy chicken noodle soup and a cheesy italian zucchini spinach bake and uh it was, it was similar to lasagna i want to say um mm -hmm. and that was great yeah, this is one of the products that I didn't know actually existed, that they have frozen grilled zucchini strips out in the world. Uh, I kind of remember that one. Okay. Just shocking to me. It's like, wow, okay, you can get, <laughs> it, it's all out there. I was just shocked and amazed. <laughs> and this also goes back to um, uh, the Zucchini spinach bake goes back to the vegan Parmesan. She called for that in these recipes. So uh, that was just a neat little coincidence. And she did that because um, of uh, a byproduct in Parmesan. Is that correct? She wanted right, it to remain vegetarian. Vegetarian. Also. So, right. Didn't want the animal rennet in there. Thank you. Yep. And the one thing that uh, I know there's a note here too, um, since both uh, frozen zucchini and frozen spinach have a high water content, be sure to use paper towel tricks as instructed to keep your dish from ending up soupy. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, okay. And then use vegetarian Parmesan because true Parmesan includes rennet and animal-based enzyme, which would not make this dish vegetarian. So if you are 
not concerned about that, don't don't drive yourself um, nuts um, trying to find vegetarian parm. Just use regular parm, correct? Good point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you want dinner real fast and just from the freezer, now you have it. <laughs> These are time-tested. Here we go. And uh, this this month, um, or this issue for wares, we've got kitchen scales. I know it's an invaluable tool in my kitchen, but I also test recipes. But I also like to cook that way, you know, just for balance or to sort of even things out. I find a scale just really helps. So you went into the world of testing all of this, John. Anything of note here? Um, well, like I say, the very uh, top one that we enjoyed was the, uh, the Jun Unkor. <laughs> I think it's Korean. Sorry, okay. I can butcher a foreign language. Somebody should do a mashup of all the languages I can <laughs> mess up and <laughs> all the words, foreign words that I can uh, screw up in any given day. Um, but that was just an astounding, I mean, it was precision, uh, dead on accuracy. That worked out really well. And the less I have to say about the cons in these things is a matter of um, how, it speaks to how good they were in general, all these picks. Um, I'm actually using that uh, bottom one. The, I've got Jintunkor, Nicewell, Polschmidt, Genkalan, and uh, Greater Goods. And then this Framar digital scale is all colorful and pretty. It's on two different levels. And I've, I i don't know if I'm just getting old, but it really helps for me to be able to have the uh, weighing platen up off of, uh, away from the where the digital readout is. Sure, I'm with and you. And I'm using that now in my uh, test kitchen. Okay, cool. And then I think to the key, goes back, I mean, where are we talking now that... <laughs> We ran that pizza book from Food and Fire and it had a pizza crust in it. And that was all, everybody kept writing about, well, these are all in uh, metrics. How do we, you know, what's the conversion here? We, I really want to make these pizzas. And so we finally, I think it was the previous issue that had that in there. And so I broke it down into from English measures to metrics. And that's at the bottom of the where's article. Metrics to English measures, you mean? Oh yeah, yeah I was just looking yeah. at that. Right. Two teaspoons at, up at right. the top. Uh, and I think that was in our um, summer issue. It might have been August last year, I think. That's yeah, where August that, 2020. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did get some questions from some people on um, conversion. So um, we have addressed that here um, using a scale. <laughs> and I found uh, myself uh, actually measuring flour more often that way. Especially for baking. It's very important. Mm-hmm. And then, um, Maddie, you got, since you love to fry, <laughs> you're a resident fry girl. <laughs> I think that's the new thing now, apparently, for me. You got into the world of beignets, a la Nola's Donuts. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, I've actually never had a beignet. So, you know, it was, it was fun Until for me then. to try. Uh -huh. And um, John has said he's frequent and tried them quite a few times, more than I have. And so I think... You know, it's the magic of the dough. I mean, I thought that was so interesting re reading about it all and how it is a yeast dough and um, the yeast is constantly working. It only really stops after the heat, like forces one last burst to give it that nice pillowy um, kind of look. And Teresa, I really loved this whole spread, how you designed it, because like the dark, on, you know, they're so light and pillowy with the powder and the dark surfaces. Um, these are some of my favorite images, actually, in this in magazine. Great. They, it really made a nice contrast. It really popped the beignets. It did. So you see the beautiful golden color of the and the pillowy um, aspect of them, and then the white um, powdered sugar on that contrast is is beautiful. Um, well, I guess you know when you mention the the puff that the yeast continues to work. I mean, I guess that's just like bread dough. Like it's the oven spring when the heat hits it in the oven, um, that's what gives it oven spring. So I guess is this the sort of the same idea? The hot oil? Uh, pretty much, yeah. So it, you know, it, the oil 
the hot oil and the dough is fried, it actually activates the yeast in the beignets, producing the gas that, you know, then can escape causing the pillow. And uh, one thing I want to note, too, is there's a note on the, um, well, a couple things. Um, oil temperature, need to make sure that the oil temperature is uh, um, maintained, correct? Um, um, well, actually, you want to heat it slow as well. You don't want to crank it to high. You want to um, gradually heat the oil slowly um, over medium. So that helps to maintain that temperature a little more. Okay. But but maintain, because if they go higher, they brown too quick. And if they go lower, then they absorb too much oil, right? Yes. And we've uh, got some helpful tips on um, the second spread that kind of gives you a little idea, like some of the key components to these. Yeah, that's what I was kind of pulling out here. Um, and then, so you want to roll it thin and even, and you want to make sure that you are relaxing the dough. Oh, I thought this was interesting too. Loosen the dough from the counter. So after you're rolling it, you relax it, and then you have to loosen it. That's part of the relaxing. Is that what that is? The loosening? Correct. Okay. Yes. Um, it, you know, you, you've rolled it out, and now you're kind of let you're lifting it a foot away from the counter to kind of let that dough kind of relax again, you know. Um, and then you'll notice that, you know, when you put it back down, it has shrunk a shrunk little. Shrunk a little. So that's, okay. you know, kind yep. of the thing. Otherwise, it, it will. It back to its natural size. Sure. Um, I think one important point, too, is that these really have to be eaten pretty much right away. Most fry goods do. If um, you don't have people sitting there and you're not just throwing them into their hands right away or there's a line outside as if you were uh, um, Cafe Du Monde or something, um, you can keep them uh, warm in a 200-degree oven. Yes, correct. And you don't want to powder them then. You just want to powder them right before. <laughs> what, is that, what is that saying? Rouler le bon temps? Let the good times roll. <laughs> okay. Um, well, hopefully people give that one a go um, coming up on um, Fat Tuesday and uh, or before. And um, yeah, get your uh, get your beads ready and get your chicory coffee. <laughs> and second line around your living room. So. <laughs> <laughs> For cocktails this time, we had low alcohol. So last year we did a no alcohol spread, and this year we went with low ABV, which tends is another kind of trend that people are especially do in like January or just in general. I think um, people have sort of cutbacks to some degree. Well, yes and no <laughs> on um, on their uh, ABV. But Maddie, you. Uh, you did all of these uh, cocktails. Do you want to give us a give us a lowdown on it? You bet. Um, and the whole reasoning was because you know sometimes uh, doing the dry January is not really approachable for people, or they think like, okay, you know, like it's a good idea, but some people do like a little drink, and this is kind of a in between, so that maybe you're just slowly reducing the amount of alcohol instead of just going completely dry. Which, you know, hey, to each your own. Everyone has their own opinions on what they want to do. And this was just kind of another uh, trend that was out there that we've been kind of talking about doing. And we thought, you know, the Jan Feb would be perfect for that. Um, so kind of the background for that is you just want to use some lighter alcohols. So, you know, um, we did a Michelada, which has, um, you know, it uses a light beer. So, you know, has a lower alcohol content. And it's kind of like a beer uh, Bloody Mary. And the little key ingredient on this one was the tagine. And Haley and I actually did a Cocktails with Cuisine on this uh, on our Facebook page. And that's where I kind of thought like, well, let's give an actual recipe for it because we were kind of um, putting it together on the fly. And it was really refreshing. I think, you know, it would be, it's great in this, you know, uh, I know most people probably think of it as a summer drink, but it was great for, um, in the winter because I like Bloody Marys and beers. So it was uh, a nice and refreshing drink. Mm -hmm. uh, then the other one, I did a Prosecco Woo Woo. And that was just kind of using some Prosecco, some peach nectar, peach schnapps, and um, just garnish with some cranberries and a peach slice. So all kind of lower alcohol. And, you know, obviously you can make it even lower by adding more um cranberry juice versus um the other kind of boozes and i imagine you could probably make it non-alcoholic if you swapped in club soda instead of the prosecco totally 
Um, um, you'd have to also ditch the um, yeah, schnapps. Oh, excuse me. Pardon me. Yes. Or lower alcohol if you wanted to just even go that way. But a woo-woo is, um, there is, this was a based on something, right? Was it, is a woo-woo like a vodka based something or? Yeah. So it, it was so I fun. thought it was I mean, just the, something you made up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone thought I was fun. like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is a vodka drink with peach schnapps and cranberry juice. So we, you know, ditched the vodka and added Prosecco to kind of lighten the ABV, which also, you know, brought some nice bubbles, which I think is always fun. Always um, fun. Totally. And so a grasshopper, which is kind of like a dessert drink that I think a lot of people are familiar with, um, but it too doesn't have a high alcohol. So maybe that's why a lot of people are <laughs> into it. Um, but that one took heavy cream, white creme de cacao, and creme de mint. And then I just grated a little chocolate over the top and did a little ganache kind of swirl on the inside, which can obviously be left out if you don't want to go through the trouble. And then last, we had the sherry raspberry I, I just, I'm going to say, I always love a grasshopper growing up. My mom used to make grasshopper pie. And it's just, yeah. it's like a grasshopper pie in a glass. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, and then we had a sherry raspberry cobbler and this kind of, you know, I was thinking of it as like an adult snow cone because it was very sweet uh, mm -hmm. and served over crushed ice. So uh, that was, this one kind of took me a little bit. I think the first round we were like, there is, no oh. we're trying well, this. <laughs> I think we didn't like the type of sherry you used, right? Was that part of yes. it? And, um, it was and a then cheap sherry that we had uh -huh. on hand and it was, you know, you do want a nice sherry if you're going to be drinking it. <laughs> well, and then you started modifying. I think you went with a little sweeter sherry. And then you started, I can't remember what else you added. But this, again, is based on another cocktail that you had seen before. A, something called a cobbler. Um, and I don't remember the whole history of it. But uh, Yeah, totally. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of, you know, you think about a cobbler dessert, how sweet it is. And um, that's kind of also kind of plays into it as well. Uh -huh. So this one had, you know, you used a shaker. So you kind of put raspberries and orange slice and the simple syrup into the cocktail shaker. And then you also add, uh, well, first you're going to muddle the raspberries a little and just fair warning that when you do strain it, some of those seeds do get a little stuck. So <laughs> you might just have to give it a few more shakes. Uh -huh. um, but then you, then you add the sherry, orange juice and amaretto and ice cubes, and then you shake for, you know, 10 to 15 seconds, and then you strain it into a glass with crushed ice. And, you know, we always like to give a garnish because some people like that. You can always leave it out, but we just added some fresh raspberries and mint to it. Refreshing. And that was it. I mean, all very easy and simple and, you know, still lets you feel like you're quenching your thirst. Mm-hmm. Cheers. <laughs> exactly. And so then for our all about this issue, we did all about oats, great pantry item. We delved into here as we gave you a lowdown all on all the different types of, of oats from groats to steel cut to old fashioned or rolled quick cooking and then instant oats. So we kind of give you a little lowdown on that. Talk about nutrition and health benefits and then just storage. Um, we've gotten positive feedback on this. We also had somebody mention that while we say oats are naturally gluten-free, which they are, um, not all oats that you find are labeled gluten-free because of the way they're grown. They might be in a field that had um, had wheat in it before, and so that could um, impact the oats to some degree. So if you are following a gluten-free diet, make sure you look for oats that are labeled gluten-free. But oats contain antioxidants and they're a good source of dietary fiber, including this powerful soluble fiber called beta-glucan, um, which is known to reduce LDL and total cholesterol and may reduce blood sugar and insulin response. Um, it does some other stuff, so it's, it's really good. And then... We have four oat recipes. I worked on this with, with Haley, and we've got kind of two sweet, I'm going to call it, and two savory. Well, one's not really, one of them isn't really sweet, but there's an oatmeal raisin quick bread. And then we had Haley made an oat milk, which um, I actually buy and use in my, um, in my kitchen now, um, oat milk. But if you want to make your own, it's just water, old-fashioned oats, some dates for a little sweetener, and some salt. And so you just, um, 
the interesting thing about when you make oatmeal is you're pureeing it all in a blender, but you don't want to puree it too long. Otherwise, I, I don't remember, I, I'd have to go back to Haley's notes, but you really want to stick to not over-processing it. Um, and then when you're straining it, you don't want to press the solids. Um, so you let it strain on its, it's own. It kind of... Um the processing and straining really affected the text, the overall texture. kind of texture of it. Thank you. Okay. Um, it definitely, I think we realized when she over processed it, it kind of had a gummy Graining, texture to a gummy. it. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll use that word in, instead of okay. what we actually called it. Okay. I yes. <laughs> we need not say more. <laughs> yes. So it definitely is a crucial step. Sure. Um, and um, this was an interesting thing because. The one thing that you think about is it's great to make it home and all of that kind of stuff. A lot of people have oats in their cabinet that just sit there forever. And so if you, um, sometimes you're like, what am I going to do with that? This is something to do, but you can save the solids and you can add them to like a smoothie. You want a little bit extra fiber and something or to a batter or, um, um, even, um, meatloaf as a binder kind of thing. So you can, um, so you can use the solids that you used, um, to make the oat milk without, um, so you don't have to just toss them. So, uh, and then, um, Haley did the savory granola, which, OMG, I put this on top of salads and soups and I just loved it. Um, it is, I believe it is a vegan because it's got, and it's gluten-free. Was it vegan? Mm, I think it might be. Okay. Oats, walnuts, pepitas, sunflower seeds, hemp hearts, black sesame seeds, quinoa, maple syrup, olive oil, egg white. Okay. So it's not vegan. Uh, chopped thyme, lemon pepper seasoning, kosher salt, and optional add some dried cherries. And if you wanted to make a vegan now, I'm, I wonder if you could do like a chia and egg or a flax egg. Um, don't know. Um, but it was mighty tasty and really just for eating out of hand or like I said, to put on top of a soup or a salad or something like that. Um, but I really went gaga for it. And then when you looked at that host of ingredients, you're like, oh, it's virt I'm very virtuous here. I'm eating all this good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then this was, uh, I know we've talked about this recipe, I believe, before, but this was one I developed and it was a favorite. I've been making it kind of all winter so far. Steel cut oats risotto with parm and sage. So it's not vegetarian because it's using butter and parm, but... If you wanted to use olive oil and vegan parm, I would think, uh, maybe. I probably, actually, I have made it at home where I have subbed in instead of the parm. I've used um, nutritional yeast. So if you are trying to make that swap, but it is, it's a good way to get oats in your diet in a savory way. And it's just very flavorful. And I really, I ended up really liking the texture and stuff. I have to say that this was a recipe was a revelation to me because I would never have thought to use oats as risotto, which I love risotto, but this dish was just so flavorful. I just love it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm slowly learning how to um, incorporate some better habits into my cooking and eating. And I, like at home, I'll add in um, maybe some arugula into the, the mix or something. So if you want to add some more green or something, or I will roast veg a lot. Like if you, you know, this is the season to keep just roasted veg on hand, delicata squash or um, butternut squash or beets or um, mushrooms or any of that. Uh, mushrooms, I put mushrooms in a lot. And so I will add some vegetables into the risotto as well. I love that idea. I was just going to comment that I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. I think I had like three bowls of it. <laughs> no, I definitely could not hold back. I mean, it was uh, my lunch, so I'll give yeah. it that. But I definitely was like delicious. I agree. Well, thanks. Well, like I said, I've um, taken to making it at home and I've adapted it several different ways um, to up the veg in it and then also to make it um, vegan too. And let's see, we're getting close to the end here. Um, Maddie, I think this was um, pasta in Faster with Fewer. These were th 
four quick um, pasta meals because um, who doesn't like a warm bowl of pasta um, on a cold winter's night? Totally. And what I thought too is, you know, getting a meal on the table in 30 minutes is yeah. always a win in my household. And, mm -hmm. you know, my girls love pasta. That's one meal that I know they will eat. Um, these they may not because, you know, it has too many vegetables and such. <laughs> um, but I definitely have pulled off the last one for them. But the first one is a BLT pasta shrimp, which actually, I believe, um, Robin did this one. Um, it was... I'm not a shrimp lover, but uh, I will say it was it was good. <laughs> but Robin could probably talk more on that one. Um, you don't like shrimp? Oh, silly girl. <laughs> I know. Well, um, who doesn't like the BLT part? Exactly. Because, yeah. you know, if it's bacon, I've already told you, if it's bacon, I'm there. So, and shrimp, I love shrimp too. So we're good to go. Robin, uh, did you also do the Alfredo? Well, the yeah. Alfredo, I think it's Alf I think it's um, Alfredo Day coming up here in um, January, February. I think that sort of was one of the reasons we um, included an Alfredo in the mix. And yeah. again, who doesn't love an Alfredo? I nice. do love an Alfredo because, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Well, this was Robin's. I know this one. Sage and walnut pesto pasta with sweet potato. Actually, that one was me. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's been so long. It's been yes, yes. It all becomes a blur after a while, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it does. Muscoos. It, it's so funny because it's like we start to remember who wrote them, but the recipes, it's like uh -huh. who developed them. You know, right. so it's it's yeah. kind of it's I have challenging. To remind, you know, sometimes I can't remember breakfast. So um <laughs> Well, and I, you know, I've styled so many recipes that I tend to think that they're all mine. So <laughs> exactly, I think John, you did style these. <laughs> um, um, the Satan walnut pesto pasta with sweet potatoes. Um, this one I wanted to kind of use a different ingredient like sage, and you know, kind of a winter. You make it a little more wintry versus you know basil, which is very summery. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. The flavors were delicious. And, you know, I never, you know, I'm one that loves protein. So I'm probably one of those people who eat too much protein. Um, but this was not, you know, this was good and satisfying without any um, real kind of meat in it, I mm -hmm. guess I should say. Mm -hmm. um, I will on this one. I love this one. I, I, I did too. This one. I, and I, I love sage and walnut. So um, that's easy for me. Well, I'm not. They're not two of my favorite ingredients, but they were so good in this recipe. Mm -hmm. They were a dish thing, and they were it was a very tasty dish altogether. And the sweet potatoes with it, I wasn't sure about, but it actually was a nice kind of sweet element to kind of the um, savory. Like all of that just just rings for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm total pasta. I can eat it all the time, but my Shane, no, he's like he. Ah. <laughs> It's like Wednesdays is like our, you know, Italian night and the girls love pasta. So it's an easy go to, but he's kind of like, it's fine. It'll just probably the days he ends up like getting a second lunch. So he doesn't have to eat as much dinner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this last one was a sausage ragu with spinach. Um, so very simple. I can sneak in a little spinach in there. The girls obviously don't like that part, but you know, I just say eat around it or at least try it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was good. You know, I like sausage in my um, pasta and it uses penne and, you know, it kind of just does a quick little sauce with crushed tomatoes, some chicken broth and some seasonings and finish it with a little heavy cream. Kind of just gives it a nice mouth meal feel. I've got to tell you, my mouth is watering just looking at the image. And I, I mean, I'm trying not to eat a lot of animal protein and not eat gluten as much as I can. And, uh, but I am just salivating over this image. <laughs> it was good. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I can eat some. Right. <laughs> Let's see. We've got, uh, so when we have Q&A, we, we, we tell you, uh, just a couple shout outs. We do tell you how to store, best way to store bar chocolate. And we give you a little bit of a lowdown on sherry since we used it in, I think, a couple of recipes. So we do kind of give you the world of sherries is kind of vast and, and very interesting, but so we do give you a little lowdown. 
And um, I will just kind of mention the next because um, our next podcast, we are going to kind of dive in a little deeper on this next recipe, its components. But uh, for uh, grand finale, we have Baked Alaska because February 1st is National Baked Alaska Day. And we do give a, Maddie developed this, and this is, we give you an individual version as well as one big version. Baked Alaska, if you don't know it, it's it's got a lot of components. It's got cake, ice cream, meringue, and it's baked, and um, which is kind of interesting when you think of um, baking ice cream. So, or torched, if torched. you got a blowtorch. Sure. Um, <laughs> So anyhow, um, we will talk further at another time um, about that recipe. So that kind of brings us to our close on this issue. I can't say I have, I don't know which one is my favorite. They're all my favorites, but. um. (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff in this issue that, you know, it's like it's, we work so ahead that you kind of, once you go back and flip through the actual magazine, you start to realize, oh, that wasn't that issue. I remember that was great, you know, mm-hmm. and it triggers you to think like, oh, maybe I'll add that to my weekly menu this week mm-hmm. or, you know, or mm-hmm. try again. And- Absolutely. You were, uh, Pam, you were talking about, you know, it's this day or that day. And I don't think I mentioned on uh, the Carol Jones book about frozen foods is that March is National Frozen Foods Month. So, ah, okay. Interesting. So that's timely. I guess. Timely. Well, and like we said before, we got um, we did a little survey on social media last year and um, asked some people kind of some content that they might be interested in. And one of them was definitely definitely freezer meals, cooking from the freezer. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, anyway, thanks for doing the the rundown with me, folks. Uh, next time when we come back, we are going to dive into the world of baked Alaska and meringue, and um, Maddie and I will talk about that. And uh, but hopefully, if you don't have this issue, if you're not a subscriber, go to cuisineathome.com and um, subscribe now because you definitely want to make some homemade bagels and everything else we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, thanks for joining us here today, and we will see you next time on Must Love Food. Visit our site to learn about special offers, new products, and more for purchase. We offer live cooking seminars from pasta making and cast iron cooking to pie baking and stir frying techniques. Our special interest publications feature recipes centered around certain topics like feel good food and slow cooker dinners. We also offer custom Cuisine at Home branded kitchen tools, such as aprons, cutting boards, and bench knives. Shop all of our offerings at CuisineAtHome.com. Cuisine at Home.